it's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 436 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, I have a fun conversation with Matt Shore from a gripping horror book called Moby Dick Back from the Deep. Matt has a Kickstarter going on right now. Since we recorded this conversation, they've met their funding goal and stretch goals are now available. The book focuses on the return of Moby Dick, the legendary whale, and how he terrorizes an unsuspecting beachfront community. We talk about how the series came to be, who the various characters are, and what Matt and his creative team have in store for us as they conclude this story by issue number five. This Kickstarter supports issues one through three, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast, Matt Shore, the creator of a fantastic little, I guess it's a web comic, but there's also paper comics out there. Well, it's Moby Dick Back from the Deep is what it's called, and it absolutely surprised me. And as a longtime comic reader, I love nothing better than being surprised. So how are you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you doing? You approached me is how I found out about your web comic. And I have to say, you're probably one of the very few web comic folks that I've actually interviewed because I tend to do paper books or or digital and stuff like that. But to actually do a, a reader web comic and to get into it was a lot of fun for me because I've always considered this to be, you know, unplumbed uh, territory that I'm so glad I get to do it, especially with this book. This book, like I said, surprised the heck out of me. When I started to read it, I kind of forgot the description you sent to me, which was actually good for me because I was very surprised as I went along. Why don't you talk about what it's about, and then I'll talk about what surprised me. Okay, sure. Uh, The main premise of the book is, I I think of it as a loose sequel to Herman Melville's classic uh, Moby Dick, because the idea is like, okay, that happened in the past, now we're here today, and Moby Dick is apparently still out there, and he is this just necrotized, just sea monster out there causing mayhem and chaos everywhere that he goes, and just best thing you can do is just stay out of his way. And as we find out uh, midway through the story, Captain Ahab and his crew, they're actually still out there. And they've been cursed to continue hunting him throughout all of eternity. And so the story becomes this sort of Jaws meets Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So the Jaws part I got, when I started to read it, I, I forgot the description that you sent me, and I started to read it, and I thought, this is Jaws. I said, I got the thing. It's a, a, a shore town. Things are going on. At the very beginning, something bad happens, and we don't wanna, I don't want to surprise the or take the surprise away from that, which is kind of fun. And then the uh, things started to happen. The town is really interesting to me, too. And so, you know, I got this whole Jaws vibe, and I kind of thought that was it. But then I started to read the comments, uh, and we should, why don't you tell people, by, by the way, what the, the website is where this book is? 
Sure. Since it does, it is first and foremost a web comic. You can find it at backfromthedeep.com. It's um, just a subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's, it's short and sweet. It's easy to remember. And yeah, that's where you can find it. Now, see, things don't start out. You described some of the stuff that hasn't happened yet in some of the books, which is, you know, which surprised me when I got to that. <laughs> I, I I actually was, you know, I, I thought Jaws. And when somebody in the comments, as I was starting to say, talked about the fact that Moby Dick didn't quite look alive the way that he was portrayed. And I went, what? And so I looked at it and I went, oh, my gosh, I said. So then I went back to the description and I discovered, oh, my gosh, there's a lot more to this than just Jaws. This is lots of other things going on. Um, so I was really, I really was engrossed in this day. I really enjoyed it. And that's what I was telling you before we started to record. I uh, went to the Kickstarter, which was something we should do pretty quickly before we delve too deeply into the story i start i went to it and you are actually one of the very few reasonable kickstarters that i've come across shall i say i have seen i don't want to say anything but there was there was a dread star one and to order the book you had to pay 150 dollars to get the book and, and I was like, okay. I said, I don't think I'm going to get to do that. But yours, I, I kept upping my 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 uh, commitment to it because at first I thought, well, I'll get the digital because I liked having digitals. But then I went to, then I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. But they, and then I went to the, I saw this T-shirt you were offering. I liked that. Then I also saw you can be a part of the book. And, and it was all very reasonably priced at about $80. And I went, hey, I can do that. So I kept upping my, my amount out there. And I thought, man, I'm screwing his poor Kickstarter all to smash because I'm <laughs> up changing the amount I'm doing. But uh, it's so interesting and so great to do that. But you know, talk about the Kickstarter. This is the third Kickstarter you're doing, right? Yes. And, um, you know, I will say with regards to, you know, Dreadstar, you know, when you're Jim Starlin and you're you're a legend in the comics industry, you, you can ask for those prices. So but when you're when you're someone like me, you have to be a little bit more realistic. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, one of the this is the third time around. And each time the uh, opportunity to be a cameo is something that we've always offered. And in the past, it's just been um, I don't want to diminish what it was before but it's like you'll be a normal person and this time around i actually kind of wrestled with whether or not to do it again because i thought well if we everybody from the pages that are going to be coming up um because incidentally as a web comic first we do this a little bit backwards so uh, if you pledge to be in the comic you will show up in future pages of the web comic itself sometimes there's confusion over between that and the the print comic that's one of the challenges that i've run into with kickstarters with my own webcomic thing. But uh, anyway, it's a little minutiae out of the way. Uh, the point is, uh, I, I talked with some other friends of mine who have done it, and I said, you know, would it make sense to do this? Because it's like, if I make them, can I really realistically do it? And they recognize themselves, and people say, oh, you've got to be kidding me. People would be go nuts over the opportunity to be a zombie sailor. So I said, okay, we'll give this a shot and see how it goes. Well, I'm a, I'm interested. So I thought that was really kind of a cool thing. And I, you know, I, I am chatting so much because I really am excited about this one. Like I said, I was surprised and I'd love to be surprised by a lot of the things that you're doing. And I just can't wait to see how this goes. I, I have so much I want to get into about this book. Cause it, like I said, it, it surprised the heck out of me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So That's, that's always a a goal to 
throw in a few surprises. People don't always know where I'm going. So thank oh, you for that. More than, more than a few. I mean, I, I, as I'm reading along, I'm going like, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that either. Oh, my gosh. So oh, just amazing to me because I just – I'm always fascinated by people that go places I haven't been before. Cool. So, yeah, I, I am too. The, the, you've done several things, and let's we'll, we'll, we'll go through this kind of slowly because I, I, maybe we'll do it the way that I was exposed to it. And kind of did the, the beginning is interesting. We talked about that as a surprise I don't want to spoil. We get into the town. There's some really interesting things that are going on. You're going someplace. Like I said, I haven't seen this before. The, the, the election has happened, shall we say. The mayor has been voted out of office. And he's having to deal with that. And I have not seen that any place before. So I was really, you know, the, the, the reaction of the town to him and his daughter has to go through this. I really thought that was a very uh, engaging thing for me. I was just like, I have never read that story before. Usually when the election's over, everybody just fades into the ether. But you're actually dealing with that part. And I thought that made it very human story to me and I, I was so engrossed in that I forgot about the Moby Dick part for a while so that was the great thing about it well cool that um that was actually something I, I kind of witnessed firsthand because um I worked in journalism for 10 years working for community newspapers and one paper that I covered there was this really uh we'll just call it a hot and heavy election um there have been nastier ones I have seen since, but this one for this little town, it, it got a little bit nasty and ugly. And um, what I witnessed was the thing is, after the election is over, uh, that mayor still had a couple of months left that he had to finish out. And it was there was a lot of awkwardness going on because there were people that worked for him who voted against him, who still had to answer to him, and he knew they voted against him. <laughs> so uh, I witnessed that and – so when I got around to my story, one of the things I, I thought about is like, okay, I want my characters to be vulnerable. I don't want Arnold Schwarzenegger taking on this Moby Dick back, this giant monster, because Arnold could take it. I want to, I want people who are really, we really wonder if they can pull this off. So that was sort of where I thought, okay, I want average people, and instead of, um, I wanted to just throw additional you know, challenges their way. So, okay, here's this mayor. He's got to keep his town together. Well, on top of that, the town doesn't even like him anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. So for a while, I actually considered making the mayor the main hero of the story. But then I thought, well, actually, why not make him a family man? And then what's who is going to feel even more vulnerable in the middle of all this going on than, you know, an inexperienced teenager? So it's like she is witnessing her father struggle with these ordeals that no child should have to see their parents insulted the way that this guy is. And then on top of that, now they also have to deal with this gigantic sea monster that's killing anybody that comes within reach of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's so interesting that the sheriff talks to him and is a, one of these conversations that <laughs> is not very yeah. friendly. I, I, I was really, you know, I, I was reading this going like, my gosh, you know, usually, like I said, people just fade away and, and to watch these people have to deal with the aftermath, especially with something really horrible going on. I just, you know, you have to get, I get a little more respect for this mayor. You know, normally I would kind of think, well, okay, maybe he did something really terrible. We don't know that yet. We don't know what it is. At least I didn't notice what it was that, people are not happy with him about 
I have a feeling you're going to reveal that as we go along, but uh, I, I didn't notice it yet. So that I want to know. I want to know that. And I, I, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in here that I'm just, I'm, I'm just dying to see more of. Sure. Well, the, the thing with that is also there's this tricky balance because in the end, people aren't reading this book. They don't grab the book just like, okay, I want to read about this mayor and his daughter and what they're dealing with. They want to see Moby Dick. They want to see this giant zombie whale coming out and causing some carnage. I mean, that's why I would pick up the book. So finding that balance sometimes can be tricky. Like, okay, how much story do I need to devote to these people before throwing the whale into it and making some excitement? The the whole idea is just um, I didn't want characters who were just pieces of meat for the whale to come and consume. I wanted people who, uh, if they did die, uh, you know, you really felt some of that loss. You felt some of the other characters lost, and it just it mattered. That That's the ultimate balance that I'm trying to strike. Mm-hmm. Which is really accomplished. I mean, I, I cared about these people. Like I said, I forgot the whale part. I was so engrossed in these people and what was going on with them. That when the whale business comes back up, I'm like, oh, yeah, the whale, I forgot about that. So that's even going on. That's even a more of a mess than, than we've already got. So it, it, it's interesting that these people have to still govern, which, you know, I have this thing about politics. I, I watch people run for office, and they're good at it. Does that mean they can govern? No. And we often discover exactly. that. We discover that the hard way so many times. They actually have to do things instead of run for office. Some people just never stop running for office. And, you know, the, this is not the case. And he's, he can't run for office anymore. He's out. And so now he has to deal with reality. And it's just a very human thing, I mean, to, to watch that. You know, I, there's so many people get into politics because they love to see their face and their name everywhere. And this guy is trying to hide. I mean, the poor daughter, he, he keeps apologizing to the daughter. He's so sorry she has to go through this. But, wow. Uh, you know, then, of course, they have this real-life thing going on. Uh, that's just amazing to me. I, I, I think you've got the balance so well done. I mean, I'm just – I'm gripped by how this is going to move forward. I, I, I don't know what you're going to do next, which I always love. I mean, when I'm reading a story, I, I don't want to know what's coming. If I can predict what's coming, I'm I'm bored. But I'm not bored. I'm, I'm latched onto this, and I'm dying to know what you're going to do next. Well, cool. I appreciate it. So let's let's talk a little bit about the art too, and this you know there's so many different things I want to talk about. But let's talk about the art in the sense that this is much more of a it's almost a black and white comic, but there's some color, if I remember correctly, involved. The uh, the interior pages are black and white. The the covers are full color though, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the, the reasons for that there. Are, there are two reasons for that. Uh, first and foremost, I'm not going to lie, black and white was cheaper, mm-hmm. and I'm running on a very limited budget. But another, and I really did want it this way, is when it comes to horror, I really feel like black and white is really effective. I, th- I think that uh, the, the Walking Dead comic series taught us that, or at least reminded us of that, mm-hmm. um, because when you go with black and white, it's um, – it just takes a darker tone in general, especially when you're telling spooky stories. Like, uh, and with the artist Joe Bilicek, the the panels that we have of Moby Dick, especially when we first see him, uh, those those first pages that he comes just exploding out of the ocean. Uh, I don't think they would look as phenomenal. I don't, in my opinion, anyway, would not look as great as they do in color. He really, I, I have 
gushed over Joe's artwork so many times, and I'm going to do it again here. <laughs> uh, he he captures exactly what I want, and then sometimes brings out stuff that I didn't even think about, and I'll say, "Well, that's that's even better than I imagined. That's fantastic." There's so. one sequence where somebody is looking at Moby Dick's eye, and yes. I remember being horrified. I mean, I was like, <gasps> you know, I gasped when I read it because I was like, "Oh my gosh." You know, and the way that it looks is kind of, I still didn't gather the the undead business at that point yet. But I looked at it and I was like, God, that really is odd looking, you know, and it's kind of scary and kind of spooky with the whole thing. And I I came away going, Ugh, you know, what what is that? You know, and so, see, I, the great news about the, your comic and the way that you do it is it unfolds slowly. So many people want everything to be, you know, they will hit us across the face with stuff and then we have to deal with it. The nice thing about the way you're telling the story is it's moving, you know, we're, we're discovering things as we go along. Every page or two has a revelation that is really something that I, you know, I, I, it makes me want to turn the pages more. And now what? Now what? The way that you've got it. So I, I just think you're doing a great job of doing it. I, I want to talk about you. You want to gush over his art. So do I. I, I just, I think his art is just spectacularly good. How did you find uh, this artist? A lot of luck. I won't lie. But uh, I went to, there's a uh, online forum called Digital Webbing that I went to where a lot of uh, collaborators can can meet up and just pitch their projects and just see who's interested, which is just, it's what I, that's all I did. I went to one of their, I just started my own thread and I just said, hey, I've got this project. Um, here's my budget. Uh, here's what my uh, schedule would be. Who, who's available? Can you work with me on this? And I, and if you can, send me some of your, you know, previous work. And I got a handful of people respond. And Joe's was the stuff that just it just stood out to me the most when I looked at all of his artwork. It really reminded me a lot of Mike Magnola from Hellboy, mm-hmm. and it's that kind of surreal type thing. It gives, I think, it gives it a real mythical quality, and that's something you can do with horror comics that I don't think you can do so much with other comics that might require more photorealism. Like I don't think you could do this type of artwork with say X-Men or Superman, uh, it, this sort of undertones and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just a lot of use of dark and black, the way we do it in, in grays. Uh, it's most effective in horror. Well, it doesn't engage your imagination more. I mean, you know, when we don't have the color, our brain, it's like when people draw a circle and you don't draw the whole circle, our mind fills in the gap. And when you read a black and white comic, in my mind, I'm seeing some of the color come in. What's this like in real life? And that's one of the great things about the art is I'm looking at it going like, wow, I mean, this is going to be really stunning. This stuff. I I mean, if somebody were, and I'm jumping the gun, I know, but if somebody were to make a show out of this, would you want this to be in black and white or would you want it color? It depends on how much money they pay me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think if you you did try to translate this, you would almost have to do color because if you really went with the black and white, I don't know if there's any way that I could personally be satisfied because if you did it in all black and white, I'd keep going, well, that's not Joe's, that's not that's not Joe's stuff. That's that's something different. So it, that would be hard. What about animation? Now, animation could work. Um, you just got to make sure you bring Joe aboard for that because I don't think anybody else can match his artwork in my eyes anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it, it's funny how I, I'm the editor for an indie comic, and I remember I was working with the creator, and we were he had farmed out stuff to people to get a, an artist to help, and we saw some very standard stuff on some of the characters, and he, he had sent out a request for a villain, and all the villains were just big, hulky you know, nothing special look. And all of a sudden, this one artist came up with this. And I remember going, wow. I said, that's it. And, you know, I, I imagine your experience. That It sounds like what your experience was when you saw the artwork that uh, he proposed, you know, his style that, that resonated with you. Oh, yes. It um, Out of all the ones I got, and, and the other artwork was very good. It's uh, This was purely a matter of taste on my part. It's just when I saw Joe's work, it's like, that's that's it. That is what Moby Dick Back from the Deep needs to look like. And yeah, we've been running ever since. It's been great. It's wild. I mean, you put these pages out weekly, right? Is it Monday? Uh, we've, we had been doing it every Friday. Now, in this past couple of months, uh, we, we sort of took a hiatus uh, for, you know, same reason everybody took hiatuses with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. Just stepped back to kind of evaluate how everybody's doing because – we had planned to do this Kickstarter sooner also. I think my original plan was to do it either like the end of February, beginning of March. But with everything that was happening, I thought, okay, I'm going to step back. People probably have more important things to do right now than to, to fund comics. So if if once everyone seems to be okay, then maybe I'll come back and give it a shot. Well, it's, it's up now, and this is the important part. The way that uh, it's up there now is you're, you're doing quite well towards your goal, and you're more than halfway there as we're talking about it. Now, the, the, the deadline is, of course, you have to – it's all or nothing – is Thursday, June 25 at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, correct. So we got to, you've got a little little ways to go, but I I just think this is such a reasonable goal. And I'll say what it is: it's, it's four hundred dollars. I mean, you know, come on, I I, I you know, if, if Mister Starlin can get thousands of dollars, I think you can scare up four hundred dollars for this thing. It's just it's so. <laughs> I hope so. I, I think so. I, the illustration too. I when people go, it's Moby Dick back from the deep number three. And if you go and you see the illustration that's on there and it's, that's where the video comes in. I, I'm really, you know, I'm fascinated by the the illustration. I mean, you know, this is again, uh, I, I don't want to spoil stuff, but let's just say you get a better idea as to Moby Dick's condition at this point. Uh, and more than that, I don't want to say, because I think you really need to look at it in order to get it really Stunning artwork, as far as I just just amazing to me to see that. It's just really well done. I I just have to say I I I don't want to fawn all over him for the whole thing, but I I just think that yeah, I can understand your enthusiasm for his artwork. It's just it's just oh it, it sparkles. Yeah, our, the I'll be the first to say the uh, I owe the comics current success. Uh, a whole bunch of that goes to Joe. However, however much credit I can take for the, you know, the scripting and storytelling aspect with these characters that it would, it just wouldn't have taken on the life it has without his artwork. Funny to say about an undead uh, story and a life that it has. The, yes. uh, <laughs> I, but you know, I, you've talked about some stuff that I got to explore a little bit. This business about the fact that 
you know, I, I kind of thought, you know, I've seen Moby Dick in several circumstances, and it's basically just him. I, I When I was a kid, I grew up, there was a cartoon show on Saturday mornings called Moby Dick and the Mighty Mitor, and I, Moby Dick had two kids that were friends of his that he did stuff in the ocean with i don't know if you've ever seen it it was it was you know not heard of this (laughs) it was it was an adventure cartoon and you know i love adventure and so for me i i was glued to it i i loved it and of course moby dick was very much like bandit was and if you ever watched johnny quest moby dick is more anthropomorphic in the way that he does things let's say and but I, i was so intrigued by the whole business because you know here's this giant whale and two young boys basically because that was the 60s that's why it's that way today it wouldn't be that way but uh i was always interested in the fact that moby dick was involved with all this stuff and he was you know being a, a titan that he was in the ocean it was it was helpful for that but to see you know the, the direction you're going is very different and to involve the ship i i have to say i'm going to be you know i the, the whole thing about the book if people have read melville's original book Moby Dick is not the the monster. No, if, he's if not. You to, if you want to be realistic, he's not the monster. It's Ahab who's the monster, the the captain. And now, see, I, I I'm going to be real fascinated to see how that all plays into your story moving forward. Our uh, boy, I, I I want to ask questions, but I don't want to. Sometimes I don't want to know the answer. Um, the uh, as, as far as things go forward, I mean, how are you going to move forward? Is some of that going to play a part in the story? Oh yeah. Um, for instance, uh, what Moby Dick was in Herman, Mel- Herman Melville's original. Um, if you want to go literally, yes, it was just an animal, but it was also metaphorical in a lot of ways in what he represented for people. Uh, he in one in one sense, it was almost like it represented fate, or some even said it might have represented God. Uh, and this kind of ideal where um, Ahab, so many of his speeches that he gives where he's just railing against – he's not just railing against the whale for biting off his leg. He's railing against just how life has turned out for him, and, and the whale just ends up kind of embodying what he directs all of that rage at. So that's sort of where I took it in a much different direction with it. It's like the, the whale is there. Um, he's not so much metaphorical in that sense, but he is definitely – I really want, wanted to play with the otherworldly aspects of it. So this time around, and that's sort of why he looks the way he does. Because I, you know, when I asked my question, like um, Herman Melville's story was, oh gosh, almost 200 years old, maybe 150. I forget the exact copyright right now. <laughs> but uh, so if the whale is still out there, and if it's been out there all this time, that whale is not going to look good. It's going to look really, really rough. So mm-hmm. that was where the whole zombification idea came from. And then... Uh, with uh, Ahab and his crew, Ahab was so filled with rage and everything, and we all know how the story ends. It costs him. He loses his life. He loses his crew. He loses his boat. He loses everything. Mm-hmm. So what what we have now is, if you have the next chapter, what, what would come after that? Uh, so now we have an Ahab who he still has that singular focus, but he's also got all that past experience that he is now living with. And so how is that going to impact the way he uh, he deals with the whale and uh, every situation that he comes in contact with right now. Well, not only that, what about the whale? I mean, Moby Dick has gone through this too. And, you know, even though he's an animal, basically, he's going to learn too. He's got a great big brain in there and he probably remembers some of this stuff. 
So you've got a very different circumstance going on right now, which I, you know, I mean, I'm fascinated by this. I, I, you know, what if Ahab tries to do some of the same stuff and, and Moby Dick remembers some of that? How's that going to all work? I, I, yow. You know, I, I, I don't know what you're going to do with it. I, I, you've got all these, you've taken the story and put it on its head in my mind because I, I'm like, you know, what's going to happen? I, I just honestly don't know. And the poor, you know, we, we, we've come to care about these humans. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> you know, how are they going to, what's going to happen to them in all this terrible struggle? So I, I'm really engrossed. I mean, I just, wow. I, I I don't know what you're going to do, and and you know don't tell me because I I want to know, I want to read it to, at this point. I really want to know how, how you're going to do it. Now you this is this is the end of the third book and the first series, right? Correct. Uh, my plan has always been five issues total, and I've actually got them all scripted out and ready. Um, so just as uh, resources come in, and then I turn around and provide those to to Joe. We'll start putting them back on the on the web. So after this Kickstarter, we'll get back to our original schedule, putting a new page up every Friday. And as that issue comes to an end, we'll probably try to do another Kickstarter to get issue four in print. And then we'll go with the final one to wrap everything up with one more issue. Wow. You're going to wrap this whole story up in five issues? <laughs> yeah. My initial wow. plan was was four, but as I started working through the fourth, scripting it out, the uh, issue number four, I thought, I, I need one more issue to wrap this up. This is too soon. So, wow. so it's five. I, I, could, I could see how you could do – this could be the first chapter of the whole story, the way that you're doing it, because there's so much going on and there's so many interesting things happening. I'm gonna, That's true. I'm if, there's, the if there's one thing horror stories don't like, it's closure. Yeah, <laughs> that's for <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't. I wow. I mean, I'm going to be fascinated to see how you do this. How are you going to wrap this all up in five issues? I'm going to have to watch just to see that. Never mind all the rest of the stuff. How are you going to pull this story all together? Boy, that's going to be really. I'm going to be fascinated to see how you do that. I'm going to really <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a story that, uh, gosh, when I started, it's for me, it's several years old now because, uh, I, uh, just a story about how it came to be. Uh, when I first had the idea and started plotting the whole thing out, I actually approached several different publishers. And uh, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. The one who thought about it the longest was IDW Publishing. Hmm. And they told me up front, they said, you know, our, our schedule is pretty full, but we'll, we'll consider it. And I don't know, two or three months passed, and they came back and said, yeah, we, we just don't have a spot for it. So I took that to mean that they read it and said, wow, this is just so gosh darn awesome. But gosh, we our schedule's just full. We just can't. Boy, I wish we could. So well, <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't prove that, but there's nobody to dispute it either. Well, you, you I, IDW might come back to you if you get the whole thing finished and say, hey, you know what? Now that you got the whole story done, well – but we'll you know, see. <laughs> I, I I think this is really unique a storytelling, and I just, I mean, I I did not expect this when I started to read this. And I, like I said, surprising me is is such a a wonderful thing. <laughs> I get so unsurprised so many times. I I always tell the story how I read these long mini series, and it comes to the end, and it's oh boy, oh boy, oh. oh. 
plug. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I, of course, you've got, now I say that, you've got to, I'm putting more pressure on you to do this. But I, I, I'm feeling based on how you're setting it up, you've got a good idea where you're going. And that's something that's, I think, is going to really be something special. I'm just dying to see it. Well, I hope so. I, uh, like I said, I, I, I know where it's going right now, and I, I had a pretty clear idea the moment I started scripting the whole thing out where it was going to go. I mean, my initial plan was for it to start feeling like a like a sci-fi channel Shark Week movie, and mm-hmm. then just real quick within the first act take a really hard turn into supernatural territory. And the the hope being that people might start out thinking, okay, I know where we're going, and then make that hard turn, and then they're really thrown for a loop and Hopefully I've pulled that off and I can continue it. Well, I'm thrown for a loop. I mean, that's, like I said, I, wow. I, I just have no idea where you're going. And I'd love that. I mean, if I could see the end coming, you know, if you see the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm like, oh, pff, I know what's going to happen. Yours, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do it in five issues now. I'm not, wow. I, I thought this might be the first mini series of, of a longer story, but now I got to see how you're going to pull us all together. That's going to be really something, something special. Well, to see. well, you never know. Uh, once it's all wrapped up, I might have an idea for some kind of follow up. We'll see. Because that's the fun thing about undead characters. You can't really kill them. So, yeah, Moby Dick also back from the deep. Yeah, back from the deep. Parentheses again. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on how you're doing this one, and you're, you're what, I was three issues out of the five. Man, I'm, I know, I don't. I, I got to see. I got to see how you're going to do this. That's all I can say is I got to see this. Well, my whole so, plan was once once I had everything scripted. Like I said, uh, I had several publishers pass on, including IDW, which is heartbreaking. And I just decided I I want to put this story out there one way, one way or another. I want to get this thing out there. So that's that's why it ended up becoming a web comic first. Just putting out a page every week. And by the time I got that first issue done, I decided, okay, I want to see if I can get people to actually buy printed copies and the worst thing in the world happened i succeeded so now, oh. now i just keep doing it every time i finish an issue so now you got to do more yeah <laughs> you know i hate to say it, it's like the show lost the biggest problem that they have was when they got to the end of the first season it was a success yeah what were they gonna do i mean they didn't know what to do after the first season they only had a season planned out and so now all of a sudden they had to come up with all kinds of stuff. And I always felt floundered after that. But I don't think yours is going to flounder. I think yours is going to be more and more interesting as we go along. I hope not. I, I haven't personally watched Lost. Everyone tells me not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, at the first, see, I used to sit and watch Lost. And I used to sit and I'd have it in the background. And I'd be on the computer. And you could tell when something interesting was going to happen because the music would come on. The background music would start up. And I would be sitting at the computer, and I would turn and look at the screen when the the music. And then when the music stopped, I would go back to my computer and do my stuff because the interesting part was over. But they did some odd stuff in there. I always have to say, but we won't go into that. That yours is not lost, thankfully. Yours is, uh, is much better than that. I have to say. So I'm I'm really anxious to sit. now. I, I noticed too that when I was looking at your Kickstarter page, that you have done other stuff, and you did a book. I have. To, I'm I'm. Well, I got to know more, a little bit more about one of the things that you provide. You have what you call the Whale Buster Bundle, and it's what you call the whole shebang. And included in that are all three issues of Matt's other comic series, Jesus Christ Demon Slayer. Yes, uh, that's, I, that's a popular one. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, okay, I've got to know about that one. I, I, 
what's the story about that? Maybe give the, 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 a basic story what that's all about. Sure. I always start telling people, you know, it's based on a true story. Okay. <laughs> well, are you familiar with it's, it's generally referred to as the harrowing of hell. And what that is, is um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Easter story and your listeners are as well. Uh, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he rises from the dead. Um, the harrowing of hell account is what happened during those three days. And the belief among some, and this is hotly debated, is uh, that Jesus actually went down into hell and challenged Satan for the, the keys to death and hell and the grave and ultimately triumphed over him, which is why today, uh, you know, the Christian church claims that we have ultimate salvation over all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I actually spoke with four is the, was the final number. I spoke with four separate ministers in different denominations about this. Uh, and the common consensus was that there, there is no consensus. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are some theologians who believe firmly that is exactly what happened. There are theologians who believe, well, something like that, but not exactly. And then others who just like, no, that's, that's all just rubbish. Um, it's not directly referenced anywhere in the Bible. Um, there, are, there are a few points here and there where it's kind of someone alludes to it, but that's as far as it goes. Now, I'm not going to get into the books that didn't make it into the Bible that maybe they talk about. I don't know. I, I didn't look those up. But the bottom line was, I just thought, that is an amazing story. Like, literally, Jesus versus Satan on Satan's home turf. Um, and I don't have any sort of historical constraints that I've got to uh, adhere to the source material at all. So that mm-hmm. I'm going to just take this story and just have fun with it. And that's what I did. So that's, it's that story, Jesus going down into hell, challenging Satan, but with my own uh, personal horror story twists where he's, he's battling, you know, demons and monsters and hulking brutes. Uh, He fights the three headed dog Cerberus and he has this flaming sword of uh, Uriel and uh, yeah, it's it's sword fighting, it's monsters, it's demons, and it's, it's Jesus fighting Satan. Oh, wow. Cause you know, this would have been perfect come out around Easter. Yeah, <laughs> you should have put this out right around Easter time. I would, I, you know, I always say like the, uh, Grant Morrison had this book called Klaus, which is based on Santa Claus. I have and read that. It's so I good. love that. I love that. And and that now what they do now every time, every Christmas, the Wednesday before Christmas, they put out one of those books, and it's based on it, it's Grant Morrison again doing something in that universe. Uh, and so I'm always interested in it, but I always say the first one came out around Christmas. They, they had, oh, there was like a mini series, like five or six issues. And the bad news was the last issue came out in May. And I remember thinking, I might be the only person on this planet that wants to read a Christmas story in the middle of May. It was so awkward. I, Cause I remember that. Yeah. The first issue came out in like November and then the second in December. And then it kept going. It yeah. got kind of weird. I was kind of like, you know, because Christmas season is a long time. I, I personally listen to Christmas music all year long, so I was for it. But a lot of people, the moment, the, the second, I mean, 1201, December 26th, it's like that never happened. But I'm not that way. So for me, I was okay with it. But see, now I'm interested. I, I, three issues. Is each one of these a day that this all takes place during those three days? I never really set up a firm timeline. I mean, okay. you could look at it that way. 
mm-hmm. um, because, you know, there have been people where they say, you know, time and hell is different than it is on Earth. Um, uh, and one thing I, I will say, because I've done a few conventions where I'll, people walk up and I have this these issues displayed prominently. And, you know, the issue number one is this picture of Jesus who it just worked out this way now looks exactly like Jason Momoa holding this flaming sword. (laughs) Okay. Well, if you ever get a movie now, you know, who's going to, yeah, we we know who to cast, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, people walk by and they see it and they'll give me these kind of, you know, sideways glances, like what, what is that about? And I've had people ask me like, are you respectful? And I always tell them, well, okay. My opinion. Yes. I really am because I treat Jesus as the ultimate hero of this story. His mm-hmm. motives are pure. He is strictly doing this to help mankind. Um, that that's his whole th- his singular focused mission is to save humanity. So yes, now I put him in a lot of really dark and you know potentially blasphemous situations, but he remains the the pure and noble hero from start to finish. Hmm. So now I got to read that. I'm going to be fascinated to see how it goes. That see, I, I'm able to read fiction and not necessarily think that it's biblical. You know, I, I I can separate them in my head. I can go, okay, this is a story, and this is a possible thing, but this doesn't necessarily mean that this that even you actually believe that this really happened. This is your your possible image. Yeah, this happened. is. Yeah, it's this is just sort of my my version, I guess you could say, because like I said, there, there was no source material to work with, and and that's why I did it because I could play around with it. Um, yeah, it's not meant to be, you know, a slap in the face for Christianity no. at all, and likewise, it's not meant to be some kind of tool to uh, you know evangelize people either. It's like you know, here's a story, take from it what you will. If you take something positive, awesome, that's what I want. If it's if it's religious, great, that's good. If you, it's something different. That's good too. As long as you take some kind of little piece of the story with you that affects you in a good way, I feel like I've done my job. See, this this tickled your storytelling muscles, and there was a story <laughs> that came out of that. When you thought about this subject, there was a story that came out that you wanted. See, I always tell the story of uh, this guy in England by the name of Saitatan, and he was watching, of all things, a uh, a documentary on how to slaughter pigs. And he came up with this idea for a comic book. It was called Slaughterman's Creed. There was four issues of it, and it had to do with somebody who was slaughtering pigs, but he also turned out to be like an assassin. And the creed had to do how we do it. And I remember telling Cy when I introduced when I was interviewing him, I said, "You know, I don't think I'd watch a, a documentary about slaughtering pigs and come up with a comic book idea. I, I, I just don't see how like that would come." But you know, he did, and you know, it's. The imagination and the storytelling thing to me is always so fascinating how, where people get their ideas from and how they come to fruition and stuff like that. See, now I want to read it because I want to see, you know, what story you wanted to tell from that. So, so now I got to see that. So that, I'm glad I'm signed up for the the big, the, the whole shebang because now I'll get to, to read all that when the time is right. So that'll be great. That'll be fun stuff. It, inspiration can come from, yeah, the, the unlikeliest of places like Moby Dick came from. It came from a really bad YouTube video. <laughs> I'm sure you've, you've seen those mashup videos people do with like oh, yeah. different comic book characters and whatever. Oh, it was yeah. this really badly done one about Moby Dick where they had Ahab somehow traveling through time and getting a nuclear bomb and dropping it on the whale. And then the final image, it shows Ahab raising his hand in the air and triumph and just screaming. And it's 
Ahab as portrayed by Patrick Stewart, if anybody remembers that made-for-TV movie. <laughs> and it's Patrick Stewart and his over-the-top, charming awesomeness. And from that, that <laughs> goofy wow. video, that that's here's what we have today. So whoever wow. created that video, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. To me, the imagination is this fabulous thing, and I – I don't want to see restrictions on it. I want to. I want to see the story as you it hit you. I want to see the story that you felt you you needed to tell from that. And I think that's true. I, well, it's just like the whole I, the, the whole Moby Dick thing, you know. Because I, the first question I came across when I read this was Moby Dick. I thought, how could he possibly get anywhere near a shore? like that because it's a big <laughs> huge whale and i thought well you know you probably have all that figured out in your head because you're the storyteller oh, so yeah, I, 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 I thought of that ahead of time okay well there's got to be a reason that they get so far yeah. out yeah see see that's see now you're gonna explain this to me i i i interviewed joshua williamson one time and he had a book called ghosted and the premise was this guy was supposed to collect a ghost and when I interviewed him, I said, I have no idea how you collect a ghost. How do you possibly collect an immaterial thing and add it to your collection? How do you do that? He said, well, you have to read the book. And I said, well, yeah, okay. So I read the book, and he, he had it figured out. He had a reason how that all came to be. And so that's why with, with yours, I'm, I'm confident you have this all sorted out, and I'm going to be dying to see how you sort all this good stuff out and explain how all these all good things work together. Because, you know, I, after that experience, I kind of feel like, you know, just because I can't think of it doesn't mean somebody else can. So I'm, I'm, I have faith that you're going to be able to tell a really, conclude this up as a really great story. So I, I just going to can't wait to read that. Well, I will do my best. <laughs> good stuff. So anyway, the, the Kickstarter, again, it is uh, right now, and it concludes on June 25th, a Thursday at 1 in the afternoon Eastern Time. It's called Moby Dick Back from the Deep, number three. The third issue of Moby Dick Back from the Deep, of course, and of course you've got four. So after what you got five, right? That's the total. I totally, yep. Yeah, so we got we got good things to look forward to. So good things. And the nice thing about this, too, is you can catch up. There are uh, levels that you can catch up on stuff. If you hadn't seen it before, you can catch up on it, and it's going to be great reading to me. I, I have enjoyed it. And, of course, you can go to the website we've talked about, and if you want to get that. Me, I, I, I did read the story, and I really enjoyed it, but I want to have copies of it, too, because this is a, one of those great stories that I, I, I want on my bookshelf, because every once in a while, I want to pull out a, a great story and dive into it and, and re-experience it. And I think that there's a a lot to be said. So I think this is going to be great fun. And I think, Matt, you're going to do other things. Do you have other things in mind coming besides these good things? Do you have other projects that we should know about? Well, sure. Uh, in addition to these, I also have books for young readers that I've written. I have a series that started with a, it was called Attack of the Zombiesaurus Rex. And that was followed up with a sequel called Scourge of the Vampire Velociraptors. So you can see the theme going along with that series. <laughs> <laughs> so those are really a lot of fun to write. Uh, they're, they're for younger readers. Uh, there's a bit of, you know, goosebumps meets, you know, universal monsters of classic era type stories and a little bit of Jurassic Park thrown in. And uh, yeah, so there's those. And uh, the latest one that I actually published was another young reader's book. It was the first time I strictly did science fiction, and it's called That Time I Saved the Universe. Mm. So this one, uh, even though there's, it delved away from the, the horror aspect, I kept my sort of dry sarcasm, as you can tell with the title. 
<laughs> so how do we get these? How do you, how do you get these books? These are all available on my website, uh, just mattshore.net. And you better spell shore so everybody knows. Oh, yeah. We'll spell the whole thing out. M-A-T-T-S-C-H-O-R-R.net. Okay. So we get to do that good thing. Now, okay, website we got. What about other social media? Uh, how do we follow you on social media keep up with your good projects? Uh, there's Twitter, of course. Uh, the It's just – let me start this over. At the Matt Shore. And I'm also on Instagram. This one's at the shore. And uh, I do have a Facebook page that we've set up for the for my publishing thing that I've set up called uh, – it's facebook.com slash shore manor. Uh, it's just uh, an imprint that we've set up for ourselves called Shore Manor Studio. Hmm. Now, as I remember correctly, the, your artist friend, he has a – Something going on too. I, I I wanted to make sure we mentioned that he's something about like oh. garage. Yes, Brave New Garage <laughs> Studio. I believe it. I believe it's the full name, Brave New Garage Studio. Garage studio. Okay, so not Brave New World. It's a Brave New Garage Studio, which is something. New. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you guys are creative stuff. I got to tell you, I, I I have no idea what you're going to do next, and I like that. I think that's cool. a good thing. So it's a good thing. So, Matt, all I can say is keep it up, and we'll have to talk again when number four is, is hitting Kickstarter because I, I think this is going to be one of those books that's, that I'm going to be dying to read. I, I hope you're going to collect this into a nice hardcover when this is all done so I can keep it on my shelf and, uh, and, and go into it. Like I said, when I am in the mood for a good Moby Dick story, I'm going to want to read this one. So I definitely hope great. so. If, if, if all goes well, that is definitely the plan. need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man from flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics That's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.